the, the plan should take into account what we want to achieve financially, what our current financial situation is, and how we feel about things like risk, right? There are all different questions that, sh that we should be discussing and, and talking about. Personalized financial planning is truly an ongoing process. It's not a one-time event, right? As our lives change, our financial goals might change. Um, it's important to review our plan regularly and make changes as needed, right? It should be able to evolve. It should be strong and flexible. So if it's done correctly, a personalized financial plan can help you reach your financial goals and give you peace of mind. We're talking about financial advisors and financial advisement today. But what is a financial advisor? A financial advisor is a person or an entity that's employed to provide professional financial advice. As young adults that are just beginning our financial journey, our needs for financial advisors may vary. But there are a few things to consider when you're looking for a financial advisor. Number one, you want to look for an advisor that fits your personality and your communication style. You want to also look for an advisor that's properly qualified by the SEC. The Securities and Exchange Commission is responsible for regulating the securities industry and protecting investors. Number three is we have to find an advisory firm or an advisor that charges fees over commission. Why? When they charge commission, they're more likely to sell us products that we may not need and get in that commission. Now, when they charge us fees, we can pay them based on their performance. Next, don't be intimidated finding the right advisor. Remember, it's your money they're managing. And so making the right decision here is really important. If you're a young adult, don't be afraid to shop around to find someone that understands your unique goals, your approach, and your philosophy. Full disclosure, I do not have a financial advisor yet. According to NerdWallet, the top financial advisory firms are Facet Wealth, which has a five-star rating out of five, with fees ranging from $2,000 and up per year, with a $0 minimum requirement for an account in order to access these services. Next is Vanguard which is Vanguard Personal Advisors Services. They had a 4.3 rating out of five, and they charge fees of 0.30% per year. The minimum account requirement for this service is $50,000. Next, Harness Wealth. This firm has a rating of five stars and they charge fees up to 1% per year. The minimum account requirement to have services with this firm is $250,000. Welcome to this new episode of JWP Podcast. Joining me on this episode is Dr. Jill Nostrand. This is a very special episode. Dr. Jill is a financial advisor, but today we get to only learn from Dr. Jill Nostrand Please remember that everything we discuss on this episode today is only for educational purposes. It's not investment advice, but let's dive into this new episode with Dr. Jill Nostrand. Jill, how are you doing today? Good. Thank you for having me, Papa. I'm so glad to be here. 
Of course. So we met a little while ago, even though we didn't accomplish our our goal <laughs> or needed. I think we still stayed in touch, and yes. I am so excited that we're able to connect and Me bring too. so much value to my listeners because I consider you as a professional with so much intelligence and so much experience that my listeners can benefit from today. And oh, so thank you. without much I do, why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about yourself and help them to know who we're gonna be talking to today? Thank you, Pop. I'm so glad to be here today and being a part of everything that you're doing fantastic, lots of good that you're you're putting out there into the world and helping people. And and that aligns totally with my mission as well. My mission is to help more people. I happen to help people with their money and with their finances, but all around when it comes to our money, it makes such a difference in our lives if we're able to feel in control and feel great about that and feel like we're on the right track. And that's that's really where I come in and help people organize and prioritize and figure out how we're going to build the wealth and how we're going to protect our wealth. So all those things put together and sometimes like just a hand to hold in those situations when we're not sure what we should do, our clients feel uncertainty and we're there to help them feel that certainty and, and really know that they are where they need to be. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for what you're doing, helping people to grow their money and helping all your clients. And we're excited to be on the receiving end of everything that you're doing. Uh, thank and you. So jumping right in. So when I think of my listeners, young adults that are just getting started, some of them are out of college, some of them are still in college. But I think most of my audience are starting to just earned their full-time wages. So most of them are starting to move into the workforce, earning their full-time wages. And as I was preparing for the podcast, one of the things that I know you're passionate about is, as you've already mentioned, helping people with their money. And so for young adults like us that are just getting started, one article that I came across, and the source of this article is Brookings Institute, one thing to say is Gen Zs are projected to comprise at least 30% of the workforce by 2030. And so, which most of them probably fall under some of my audience. Looking at these people and with your experience helping people with their money, what can we learn right now in this stage of our lives as young adults that are getting started? That's such an important question because getting started in the right way, like getting into our careers and really getting off on the right foot makes such a big difference in our lives, right? We want to be able to take advantage of the time that we have. And when we're in our 20s and even our 30s, we, time's on our side. So when it comes to young adults and financial advice, one of the most important things they can do is find a professional that they trust. Uh, there are a lot of different choices out there. It can be tough to know where to start. Uh, but there are a few things that you can keep in mind that will help you find the right fit. So it's important to find someone that you feel comfortable with and who seems to understand your particular situation. We, we want to have that one-on-one -on -one and the customization for us individually. So look for someone who has experience working with young adults. This way you can be confident that they're going to understand your unique financial situation and needs. 
Um, sometimes getting a personal recommendation can really help. That can be a great way to narrow down your options. And then talk to a few different financial uh, professionals out there before you make a decision and see who you have some alignment with and see who seems like a good fit for you, maybe personality-wise in addition to their philosophy around wealth management and wealth growth. This will give you a chance to compare and contrast different styles, different approaches, and decide which one is really going to be the best for you. If you were to follow these steps, this would be a great way to find the right financial professional to, to fit your needs, everybody's needs individually. Did you know the article I referenced from Brookings Institution has a link in the description of the podcast? Click to learn more. We're in an unprecedented time for us. There are certain things that are going on in the economy, a lot of things going on around us that we've never seen before. We've never experienced, you know, a war or never really experienced a whole pandemic that shuts down the whole economy. And so we have a lot to learn. And to your point, finding a professional that we can trust can be really, really helpful in terms of us building wealth and getting to our goals. And so something very interesting also is young adults are actually very receptive to financial professionals. Is this something you've witnessed? Have you experienced this on your end? I have. I work with a lot of young people, um, people who are just starting out, as you were saying before, have graduated from college or they're starting out in terms of uh, starting a business or in a new field. And that's something that a lot of us at, as financial professionals really enjoy because it's really exciting to work with young people. They're full of energy and it makes sense that they're increasingly receptive to working with a financial professional because they are, they're more savvy than ever, right? At that age than people have been. And they know more certainly than I did when I was that age. And uh, it's a great time to find someone that they trust and to be able to talk about financial topics that are going to affect them in the short and medium and long term. So being able to seek out advice from experts is going to be a great way to, you know, experts we can trust is going to be a great way to, to have that positive force in our lives and be able to make sound decisions uh, for their future. So, and also in addition to providing advice, financial professionals can also help young adults understand their options and make informed decisions about other things like spending, saving, and investing, right? So if they're working with a financial professional, um, young adults can really set themselves up for success for their entire lives as they're building their careers and establishing their financial futures. Something also very interesting here, when I think of trust, I think trust is such an important thing. Not too long ago, I read this article that talked about how trust can play an important role on how an economy of a particular country can perform. So that made me think of Ghana, where I'm from, where I think trust levels are pretty low around there. And so for instance, if I had a thousand bucks and I wanted to invest somewhere in Ghana, it would probably take me such a long time for me to invest that thousand dollars because I don't have that trust. As compared to if I had that trust, I would quickly just pump that thousand dollars into the economy and that money yeah. can be growing for me. And so for people that are, especially young adults like us that are trying to figure out this whole thing with trust, 
maybe it's probably our first time ever working with a professional like you. Maybe we're nervous. We don't know how to open up to yeah, them so they can understand our, our perspective and sort of where we're coming from. How do we build that trust? It really starts with, first of all, feeling like the professional that you're working with listens to you and they're actually interested in you and they're curious about your goals and, and everything going on in your life. You want someone who's going to take that holistic approach to a financial plan where they're not just going to be focusing on one piece of the financial advising picture, but everything together. So we're bringing everything together in a strategy that's going to actually direct everything that is being done around our finances towards our goals, right? If we're doing that and we feel that the person that we're working with has that in mind, that's going to be a great way to start to build that trust. And then we want to see if the person does what they say they do, right? Over time, if they do what they say they're going to do, that's going to build that relationship and build that strength in there. Um, so I would say, first of all, find someone that we have rapport with and who understands us and is interested in us. And they're not just going to use some cookie cutter approach um, to to our particular situation because everyone is so different. And then have that time you know, where you're able to communicate with them and work with them and build that trust over time. Yeah. And one thing that you also mentioned that's worth uh, referencing again is referrals is a really great way yeah. to find a great professional to work with. Because if I worked with you before, I had a great experience, it's very easy for that word of mouth to spread. And then I get my friend to start with working with you and getting the benefits that you provide. So that's amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Being able to talk to people that we respect and trust and who have a great handle on their finances and find someone who they're working with, maybe we could work with them makes total sense. Absolutely. And I also think there, this is an exciting time to be working with millennials and Gen Z's because so there's data that's showing that millennials have at least 1.4 trillion in spending power compared to Gen Z's that hold about 143 billion in spending power. So these numbers are probably going to increase as time goes on, as they get more into the workforce. And so I think this is probably an exciting time for, for, for yourself and people in this Absolutely. industry to start embracing young adults. And so is this uh, something that you're aware of um, in terms of like the industry? Are you guys aware of this kind of change that's coming in? Absolutely. Uh, the, the change is something that people, well, if they're in the financial world, they should be aware of it. All, all of, I would say every financial advisor is very aware of this. And as the, as our wealth is transferred from one generation to another, and one generation is coming up and building their own wealth as they're building their careers and their businesses, it's a fantastic opportunity for everyone to have that, that customized plan for them and to grow and grow. And that those numbers that you mentioned are expected to grow as more members of this generation enter their prime years, right? Their prime earning years. Even though you know, many young adults are burdened by student loan debt, we're, we're going to be able to, to see a tremendous increase here in that wealth and in that 
that growth in that generation, which is really exciting. And these young adults need a, need support when it comes to managing their finances. Working with an advisor who really focuses on education and takes an education first approach can make a huge difference, right? Compared to working with someone who doesn't take that approach. People need to understand their finances. They need to understand what the purposes are, how we're moving toward goals, how we can make sound decisions when it comes to our spending and our saving. You know, there are all kinds of decisions, many moving parts in a person's financial picture, in that whole, that holistic picture. And having someone to work with and having that support, and for our young adults especially, we can really help them build a bright future for themselves. Hey, listener, what does your picture of a bright future look like? Does it look like a hamster wheel where you're working hours on end? And then finally, at age 70, you retire and live the life that you've always worked for? Or does it look like building wealth early to be able to have a sustainable, responsible, rich life with your family? Now, back to the episode with Dr. Joe Nostrand. As you mentioned, at least 14.8 million millennials have student loan debt, which is yep. a staggering number. And this ranges from, from 31,000 to 38,000 and yep. up. In your experience, how can young adults be supported from this perspective? Well, if someone does have student loans, it's something to take into, into consideration with everything else that's going on in their financial world. In some situations, and I'll say in any situation, making sure that we're in the right repayment plan for us is number one, that is paramount. Uh, we need to make sure that we understand the different plans that are available to us and how those different plans can affect our repayment schedule and how that can affect our ability to purchase a home or be able to grow our wealth and our assets and all that, all those great things that we wanna do. So uh, I'd say number one, make sure that we're in the right repayment plan and make sure that we are utilizing as many of the resources out there as we can. There are a lot of people out there who specialize in student loans and helping students with their loans. Uh, it's also interviewing them, talking to them, making sure that they understand everything going on in your situation, uh, that can help a lot. But I think overall, just focusing on our wealth building, our asset growing, and then working the, the payment plan, the repayment of the student loan into that is really gonna be the most beneficial because that keeps our eyes on the positivity, right? It keeps our eyes on the positive aspects of our wealth journey. Right. And that is really very, very important. And one thing that's really important for our wealth journey is positivity and possibility. Yes. So thank you so much for sharing that, Jill. <laughs> My pleasure. So switching up a little bit here, wanted to talk about women in finance. So yes. at least 75% of women under 45 manage their own finances, which is fantastic. Times have changed and they're changing for the good. Yep. And so for young women that are listening to my podcast right now, how can they help to keep this trend going? It's such an important topic, Papa. I mean, we want everyone to be involved in their finances, right? And having more of an, a balance 
in that in that situation is so important. It's so essential for each of us to feel strong and feel confident about our finances. So I do feel like women have been underestimated in the financial world. And as you were saying, it is changing really rapidly. Uh, women under the age of 45 are now very often the primary finan financial decision makers in their household, uh, which is a huge shift from even just a few years ago when uh, it was more of the men in the households who were taking care of the money matters. Um, women are also much more likely today to be the main breadwinners in the household. So, you know, this is a great step forward. It also comes with its own set of challenges, right? So one of the biggest challenges facing young women today is how to keep the momentum going. So with so many women now in charge of their own finances, it's important to make sure that they have the knowledge and the tools they need to succeed. This means educating ourselves on financial topics like financial planning, investing. Um, it also means staying mindful of our spending and our saving. Uh, and finally, meaning it means that we need to be confident in our ability to manage our own money. If we can do these things, we're definitely going to move in the right direction and keep this trend of women achieving financial success continuing for years to come. And I hope that trend continues because it looks like women eventually are going to be earning twice as much as their spouses, which would be great because that changes the whole conversation and we love to see it. But that's awesome. Absolutely. When I think of our wealth building journey, so First, we get into the workforce, we start to earn, and then the idea is as you're earning, you're not spending all that money, right? You're putting right. Some of that money yep. aside. However, only 58% of millennials are saving for retirement versus 70% Gen Z. Yep. How do we sort of wrap our heads around this trend that's developing? This is something that we need to address as a nation and of course individually but as it is such a troubling trend because it suggests that millennials aren't doing enough to prepare for for their retirement years uh, it's something that i think needs to just be brought much more into the focus front and center so that we are as individuals and as a nation really lifting ourselves up right and elevating ourselves and and making sure that we are ready for those retirement years right there are several factors that may be contributing to the problem i mean number one millennials tend to have higher debt than previous generations student loan debt is part of this this can make it difficult to save for retirement um there and it's also involving credit card debt as well um, millennials are also more likely to be employed in a gig style economy, those types of jobs that may not offer traditional benefits like a 401k plan or some other kind of retirement savings plan. So this means that they have to be more proactive about saving for retirement on their own. So these reasons are, are things that, that we need to overcome, of course, but I think individually, if we can reach more people, especially through uh, into their 20s and into their 30s, um, it's clear that we can help people make a difference and be saving money for their retirement and preparing for the future. And with this comes a question that I sort of, so I came across this, if only 58% of this population that we're talking about is saving for retirement, and we're also seeing 
that at least 68 trillion would be transferred in wealth from Asian generation to millennials and Gen Zs. Could this be a reason why we're seeing this trend? And if so, how should millennials educate their parents about things like estate planning to make sure that this transfer of wealth is as seamless as possible? So yesterday I was doing some extra research, getting ready for our episode. And one thing that I saw, which was interesting, is Chadwick Boseman, who is the actor that played Black Panther. Yep. When he sadly passed away, he didn't leave it well, right? And so that was, and I think it's something that his estate is still trying to figure out. Yep. Uh, The artist Prince, famous song Purple Rain, I think everyone knows that song. When he sadly passed away, he also didn't leave it well. Yes. Right. And so that's something that your fam, the families that we're leaving behind, ends up having to deal with. How do we approach these things, um, especially at this age? Great question. And the basics of estate planning are so important to everything that, that you were just mentioning and talking about. Having a will is something that is really each of us should have a will. I mean, really, it it should be something that we just do automatically. We should have a will. Um, If we have loved ones, if we have children, if we have a partner, we should definitely have a will. Now, when it comes to making family decisions and estate planning, it is something that it can be talked about with a family. Uh, I personally believe that we need more openness around our financial discussions as a family. And it really helps a lot for to help everyone um, get along and, and enjoy being in the family. And when it comes, you know, time for a wealth transfer, if every if everyone is aware of what is in a will and the will is taking care of everything, then it's going to be uh, a very uh, smooth transition um, within that family, and it really just makes everyone's lives a lot easier through that very through that difficult time. So, you know, it's something that certainly millennials can help their families with. And uh, having a will is can be very simple. Sometimes it's a little more complicated, but it's something that we need to just we need just to to get done and do that um, so that we're not going through a difficult time with that as a family. Um, and the two cases that you mentioned are, are very famous cases, obviously. Um, and when when high net worth individuals pass away without a will, the will can be, you know, the the negotiations can go on basically for years. So that's something that would really help our loved ones if we did that. Uh, When it comes to estate planning and talking to our families about it, it's really the process of organizing and managing a person's assets or a family's assets and property, right? It involves making decisions about what will happen to one's possessions after they're gone. Um, It can seem like a daunting task, but estate planning really is so important in ensuring that our wishes are carried out, right? Um, Many millennials may not even be aware of what estate planning is, uh, let alone how to go about it. It sounds complicated, but this is really, again, where education comes in. We have so many resources available to us today and many individuals who can help us with estate planning. Uh, Millennials can learn how to best prepare for the future in this way by using this knowledge to also help their parents to learn about the importance of estate planning. So by doing this, they're going to ensure that 
their inheritance is handled in the best way for their family. Yeah, amazing. Estate planning. I think that's my homework. Something that I'm I'm definitely going to research further into and learn more about. So a question that I, I, I don't know, I think maybe you can help clarify is, so what would be the difference between estate planning and also having a personalized financial plan? Having a personalized financial plan is important throughout our entire life, right? Really from when we're born to all to where to when we pass away. And that's going to be something that's going to support us throughout our lives. It's going to help us um, have, do, and be all the things that we want in our lives and our loved ones' lives. And uh, no matter what phase of life we're in, if we have a well-designed, customized financial plan, it's going to support us. It's going to be able to evolve when it needs to, and it's going to be strong when it needs to be strong. So when it comes to that, the estate planning is our financial planning, but for our legacy, right? It's for more towards the ends of our the end of our lives. Um, so the estate planning is part of the overall financial planning, but just towards the end of our lives. Got it. Thank you so much for for clarifying that. From your experience, I think you've you've done some financial planning. How do you usually approach personalizing a financial plan for someone? Because I quite remember uh, not too long ago, I went to go see a financial advisor at a bank that I bank with, Charles Schwab. Yeah. And this guy created an illustrious financial plan for me. I had never figured out what my net worth was. In fact, I didn't even wrap my head around to think, you know, a person might have a net worth or something like that because I was so novice in my financial acumen. But he was able to break it down and I understood what my you know, my net worth was, and that yeah. sort of set me on a journey to change that. And hence, we're still on that journey working on it. And so how do you approach this, like personalizing a financial plan, especially for young adults that are just getting started? I think that's something we might care about. Absolutely. It, it's, a, it's a great question. And I think it really comes down to what is that financial advisor's goal? What is their purpose, right? If our purpose is to help people, then having a customized plan and not a cookie cutter plan is really what's going to help people to the greatest extent that they can be, right? So a personalized plan is created specifically for you or you and your family's unique circumstances. So an advisor should be asking a lot of questions, right? And asking questions that are going to be financial and non-financial, right? Because we have our financial world and we have all the other things going on in our worlds. And all of it works together, right? Either either it works well or it doesn't work well, but we'd like to get it to where it all works well. So the, the plan should take into account what we want to achieve financially, what our current financial situation is, and how we feel about things like risk, right? There are all different questions that, sh that we should be discussing and, and talking about. Um, personalized financial planning is truly an ongoing process. It's not a one-time event right? As our lives change, our financial goals might change. Um, it's important to review our plan regularly and make changes as needed, right? It should be able to evolve. It should be strong and flexible. So if it's done correctly, a personalized financial plan can help you reach your financial goals and give you peace of mind. 
I know we briefly mentioned credit. Yep. Where does credit fall or what are some of the resources in regards to credit and where does that fall under this personalized financial plan and sort of getting started as young adults? Credit is very important for a few different reasons. Credit, our credit score, right, is something that is going to determine our access to loans, how much we're going to pay for loans, um, our access to, and, and this could be short and long-term loans, right? It's also going to be important sometimes when, if we go to apply for, uh, to rent an apartment or something like that, right? So it, all these things are important when it comes to credit because credit, that credit report score is used for so many things, right? So I'll say banking services for millennials have changed and have been changing in recent years. We're going to be able to establish our credit in ways as millennials have uh, in ways that are going to be able to get us off on the right foot with that. We can have things like a secured credit card. We can have a debit card. These cards are going to help protect young people, young adults from credit card fraud and give them the opportunity to build up their credit history. So I would say banking has become more user-friendly and more affordable. We certainly have lower fees with many banking institutions than we've ever seen in the past. But when it comes to credit, it's really important to watch that score, check it at least once a year, make sure that we're making our payments, we're always making our payments on time. And, and I would say, Papa, in a perfect world, if we're able to pay off that credit card bill every month, I think we'd all be a lot happier. So those are some so, important points anyway. I always love talking about credit because we just can't do without it. And so speaking of credit, I think this is a good segue to talk about our next topic here, which is opportunity cost, right? Yeah. And so I'm a millennial or I'm a young adult here and, you know, credit card company, um, maybe I'm between 18 and 25, something like that, years old. And a credit card company just offers me $5,000 as my sure. credit card limit. You know, how do I go about managing this with opportunity costs in my perspective? So that's a great question. Um, being able to manage the different resources that we have at our disposal, the different assets that we have, our income, right? Those are all really important things. Um, how about if we start off with what opportunity cost is? Would that be all right? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, people are probably wondering what is opportunity cost? Yeah, let's start with that. So yeah. I think most people have a pretty good idea of what money is, what it's used for. What often gets overlooked is this idea of opportunity cost, right? What do we give up in order to get something else? In other words, every time we make a choice, we're also making a choice to not do something else, right? And that's what opportunity cost is all about. So to better understand it, let's look at a couple of examples. Imagine we have $50 to spend and we're trying to decide between two options. Number one, you could have a new pair of shoes or you could buy a new shirt and a pair of socks. So if you choose to buy the shoes, you've given up the chance to buy the shirt and the socks, right? That's our opportunity cost. In this case, it may not seem like a big deal because we still got something that we really wanted, which were the shoes. And I particularly like shoes too, so I get that. But what if the decision 
were between two things that were really important to us, right? That's when it can start to feel kind of significant. So imagine you're trying to decide whether or not to go to college. Number one, you go to college and get a degree. Number two, you could forego college and start working right away. So in this case, the opportunity cost of going to college is putting off working and earning money right away. So for many people, that could be a scary proposition because there's no guarantee that their time and money will pay off with a successful career after graduation. Uh, however, the opportunity cost of not going to college might be even higher if it means missing out on opportunities for advancement down the road in the future. So of course, these are just a couple of examples. I mean, opportunity costs can come into play anytime we make a choice, be it big or small. The next time you're trying to decide what to do with your time, your money, take a moment to consider what you're giving up in order to make that choice. And there you go, that's opportunity cost. There we go, amazing. Well explained there, Joe. And so for young adults that are wondering, especially once you get that high credit card limit, remember opportunity cost, you know, money or resources that you spend on one thing, sometimes you cannot use it for something yep. else, which you perfectly explained. So thank you so much. Yep. Wow. One other thing I'll, I'll add in there, if we're using our credit cards to make purchases, we tend to spend more than if we're using cash or our debit cards. So it's just something to keep in mind. Which is a phenomenon that I experienced when I worked in retail. When people come to the yeah. store and mm -hmm. they're able to open that credit card, it's like they just want to buy everything in the store, yep. you know, and you know, at the end of the month, now you have to deal with that. And it's probably not a great feeling, even though you felt good when you were buying the stuff. So yes. something yes. to think about. Once we've used our money for one thing, we can use it for something else. So thanks again for sharing that. So I think our next thing that I love to talk about is something that's, I think it's probably very evident with young adults these days, especially with the power of social media and how sort of we're always looking for that social proof. And so when I think of how young adults are sort of living life now, a lot of stuff is really being influenced by social media or social circles and stuff and, and this kind of stuff. How can young adults sort of manage these kind of pressures that I think we're probably going to deal with for the rest of our lives? Great question. I mean, social, the, the social proof, I'd say aspect of social media that and everything going on today, it can be negative, but it can, it can also be positive, right? It can, it can be both. Um, social proof is this phenomenon that return that refers to the tendency for people to copy the actions of others around them. So in many ways, it's a kind of social pressure, like the more people who are doing something, the more pressure there is for others to do the same thing. For young people who uh, can sometimes still be forming their own identities, the pressure can be especially strong, right? Because of the need to fit in and belong to a group, it can cause people to make decisions that they wouldn't otherwise make, right? So that can be positive and, and it can be negative too. So we, we just have to watch that. So when people see their peers engaging in positive behaviors, they're more likely to mimic those behaviors. So it, because of this, we can see that it can be a positive 
it can promote positive social change. And uh, when it comes to our finances, I think it's kind of going back to something else that we discussed earlier, which is that if we're if we're looking for a person, an advisor to work with, or we're looking for people to emulate, look for people who we know in our world, in our lives, who are great at managing their money. They're successful. They're happy, right? Wealth is not just about money. It's about everything going on in our lives. Are we happy uh, with our relationships? Are we happy with our work? Are we, you know, all these different aspects of our lives. So um, if we're looking for for people whose behavior to to mimic or emulate, right? Those are the people that we want to look to. Every guest that I have on the podcast, I ask them this question, what is your definition of wealth? And I think it would be lovely to get your definition of what wealth is. Wealth is so many things and it's it's true richness and abundance in our lives. That's really what I look at it as. When I, when we ask people, when people are asked, uh, if you had unlimited financial resources, what would you change in your life? Hardly anybody says they would change their friends, right? So that's a wealthy aspect of our lives. Um, hardly, you know, people might say, oh, you know, maybe a bigger house, that kind of thing. But most people are generally happy with those things. You know, anything that we're happy with and we wouldn't change, we're wealthy in that area, right? That's that's a wonderful part of our life. It's a part of place of abundance in our lives. So I think true wealth comes from all those different things, from appreciation and thankfulness and um, always looking at life and, and the world from a positive kind of perspective. So I know it sounds a little goofy, but I think that's I think that's what true wealth is. Amazing. And I'm telling you, every time we get this definition, it's always different. And your perspective is so different. I love how you use the friends analogy um, to define this. So that's great. Thank you so much for sharing that, Joe. My pleasure. Yeah. And I love my friends. So yeah, I can tell you love your friends. So hence that analogy there. They're great. People. Amazing. All right. So let's uh let's dive more into thinking from the value of things, right? Sure. So especially the and the reason why I think of the value of things is young adults sometimes, and this could probably relate to the social proof aspect that we've just talked about okay. is because there's so much social pressure and social proof, we sort of forego the actual cost of something and mm -hmm. sort of just go about being influenced by other people and stuff like that. And so how can we sort of think about what is like the relative value of things versus what they're truly worth to us mm -hmm. that's that's a great question and i'd like to think about it in a couple of different ways it's really what is something is worth right it's really what is something worth to us on the one hand we have those objective measures of worth as you said such such as like how much would something get in the market right if we sold something what would we get in return for that if we sold it but on the other hand, there are more subjective measures of worth, like sentimental value. Uh, in many cases, these two forms of worth are kind of in conflict with each other, right? Mm 
For example, we may be reluctant to sell a family heirloom or its market value because of its sentiment, its sentimental value. Or we may be tempted to purchase an item that's overpriced because it's rare and unique. Because of that, you know, this relative value of things is pretty complex. It doesn't have just a very simple answer. It just depends on our perspectives and what we're willing to trade in order to get what we want. I tell you, I always tell my husband, if our house is on fire and we have to get out, I will be throwing my photo albums out the window. <laughs> I, I'll let a lot of things go, but if I had my choice, I will be I will be saving my family albums that go back like a hundred years, and they will be sailing out the window as fast as possible. So, to me, that's something that I could never replace. In a lot of cases, like those 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 memories, and that obviously that those that's a sentimental type of value you know other things we can replace but things like that that mean something to us those are those are impossible to replace so shifting to our next thing which is topics that young adults need help with is budgeting living within one's means paying bills on time managing credit and debt which is something that we've talked about regular contributions to savings, tackling student loans, and also planning for retirement. I think it's perfect because some of these things sort of fall in your realm of what Absolutely. you And so for us young adults who need help with these things, help us wrap our heads around these, uh, these things that I've just mentioned. Well, there's first of all, I think there's definitely an order of importance to to these these things you talked about budgeting paying our bills on time managing our credit our debt student loans retirement right number one one of the most important things we can we can really get right and focus on is our cash flow right not only what's coming in and what's going out and and where it's going but how we're actually flowing our money through our accounts that can make a huge difference but starting with a budget is really the first step in that cash flow discussion. So making sure that we are, I'll say, not only living within our, within our means, of course, that's important, but making sure that we are sending our money, our dollars to what is meaningful for us, right? So living within our means, but also having meaning attached to that is very important. And that starts with our goals. Our budgeting is part of that. Of course, paying our bills on time, that's super important for our credit score. That's all part of that as part of managing our credit, managing our debt, right? Making sure that we're also saving, we're possibly investing, right? All those things, they work together, but definitely budgeting is number one. That's going to get us on the right track. Uh, when we overspend, this can create a debt cycle, a credit card debt cycle or other kind of debt cycle where we get caught in that right so we want to make sure that that doesn't happen um and and also paying bills on time is really important because it's going to help us avoid late fees right if we're paying a couple hundred dollars a month in late fees that's that's not going to help us and it's, it's going to really you know not give us a great feeling about about our situation um in addition to the the negative um dings on the credit re credit report right uh, managing credit and debt is important because it's gonna help us keep our debt that we're servicing affordable. It's gonna keep those payments affordable and make sure our credit score stays up 
as high as possible. Um, making sure that we're always putting into some kind of savings plan is important because we need that emergency fund, right? Maybe we're saving for a house down payment. Maybe we're saving for a car, whatever it might be. We want to make sure that there's meaning in that budget, not, not that it's just a bunch of bills that we have to pay, right? There has to be something of value for us in that to really make it work. As we said before, addressing the student loans is super important because it's gonna help us actually stay on track overall, right? We wanna fit the student loans into the plan. The student loans uh, are, are gonna be in the plan, but asset building and asset growth is the focus of the plan, right? And then we're gonna fit the student loans into that. And then I would say adding on that retirement piece is so important because that's going to help us save for the long-term future. And we know that people who save early in their working life, like in their 20s and 30s, they do much, much better than people who wait till later in life. So it's really not so much about the amounts going into our savings, our investments, but that we establish habits that we keep and maintain over our lifetime. And that's what's going to help us be successful because as our incomes go up, we're going to be able to save more, right? We're going to service our debt. We're going to take care of that. But if we can deploy more and more of our cash flow into those wealth building areas, we're going to see that just grow tremendously over time. Absolutely. Yep. So one thing that I was uh, sort of like wrestling with the other day, or I was sort of thinking about this is I think usually whatever you're doing now as a young adult especially you're going to sort of reap the benefits of it three to five years from now sure right? so when you get to three to five years from now when you project yourself into the future whatever you did at this very time is what you're going to be enjoying at that time and so it's really important that we're conscious of the decisions that we're making right now because the decisions we're making right now will ultimately determine the kind of life we're going to have five to ten years from now and so i think it's a great point that you make there and i love that you prioritize these things because of course yes i think if we don't prioritize them then we're mm -hmm. always going to be trying to figure out which one is important and which one is not and so thank you so much for doing that i think that's really helpful for us to be able to think about it in that systemic order Absolutely. If, if we know where we are and we know where we want to get to, we can figure out what those priorities should be. And that's really the order of operation there. Absolutely. With that, let's let's come back to reality here. Okay. And because reality is, I saw this Pew, Pew research that said by age 22, most Americans should be independent. That's what this research is saying. But by that age, most Americans should be independent. But what that research found is only 24% of these young adults are actually independent. And so parents are actually doing more for young adults, which makes me think that we definitely need help with some of these priorities that you've just mentioned prior. And so, how what do you make of, of these uh of this data here i think today is just a different world than than in the past when it comes to this 
a lot of people go off to college and very often today they move back in with their family, right? With their families. And this is for a variety of reasons, uh, one of which is student loans, right? The, having a lot of student loans can can really inhibit our ability to have our own apartment, to have our own situation. Uh, and that's something that, that people grow into over time. Um, one thing to one thing to watch out for, though, is that we're not inhibiting our young adults from becoming financially independent. Right? It's important to it's important to help them spread their wings and grow. It's important to encourage our young adults to seek out that great career, to get a great footing at as they're coming out of college or just as they're going into their their career of choice as our parents, right? We don't want to make it a situation where we're we're doing so much that they they don't feel like they're ready to move out. They're ready to establish themselves and have their own place and their own, you know, everything in their in their own world, have their own establishment. So that's something that's really important. And I think education uh with our young adults, saying it again, is so essential to helping them be successful financially and to be able to stand on their own two feet financially. And, you know, if people think most young young adults should be financially independent by 22, that may or may not be the magic number for every person. 22 today is not what it was 20 or 30 or 40 years ago, right? It's a very different world. So ultimately, I think it what, what it really comes down to is as a family, teaching our children how to be financially independent is where it all starts. So in this, we don't start this at age 20, we start it at age of two days, right? We start it from day one, teaching our kids about how to manage their money, how to be financially independent, how helping them spread their wings into a wonderful career, helping them do a budget. Taking, by taking these steps, we can really empower our children and our, our young adults today, you know, as they're becoming financially independent. So I think it's it's not just something that we can start at the age of 20 or 21. We need to start it right from a very, very early age. I've come across data that shows that by age seven, children should be learning the concept of money and how to manage Absolutely. money, which is amazing. So thank you so much for sharing that. You did mention financial independence, which, yep is a very interesting concept. What is your definition of financial independence? I think it's pretty simple for me. Uh, financial independence just means we can support ourselves without having to rely on financial assistant, assistance from others, right? Um, it's often measured by the percentage of a household's income from wages or salaries rather than from investments or any kind of benefit. Right. So uh, I know the government has their has their technical um, amount of annual income and and percentages and that kind of thing. But I think if we are able to meet our needs and we're able to provide a place for ourselves to live and food and um, clothing and all the necessities and also able to put something away in terms of our savings and our future, I think we can call ourselves financially independent. Hey, listener. For transparency, all articles and resources referenced in this episode have links provided in the description. Thank you so much, Joe. This has been so great. 
your insight has been phenomenal. Thank you so much for your time today, most importantly. And thanks for coming on the episode to share all this wisdom with us. Oh, it has been my pleasure. It's it's always wonderful to get to talk to you. And um, I hope anything that I have said is a help to everybody out there. Absolutely. Yeah. And this sort of brings you back to your professor days a little bit, right? Because yes. in us and yes. fortunately we get to we get to hear your voice virtually or on this podcast and all this information that you're giving to us. So we really appreciate you. Thank you, Papa. It's been my pleasure. Hey listener, thanks for listening to another episode of JWP Podcast. As always, continue to listen to the show and be sure to tell a friend about the show. Jill Nostrom is a registered representative and advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. Park Avenue Securities products and advisor services offered through Park Avenue Security member FINRA, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America. Park Avenue Securities wholly owned subsidiary of The Guardian. Certified Financial Services LLC is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Security or The Guardian. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Security, The Guardian, or Certified Financial Services, and the opinions stated are their own. Continue to listen, and as always, remember to tell a friend.